Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, episode twenty-three. Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, the podcast designed to grow young ministers. This is Tim Lucas, and that was my son Judah. And with me today in our virtual studios is Ryan Goff and Nigel Ali. How's it going, guys? Hey, good man. It's going good. And also with us, we have a special, special guest, my brother, Andrew Lucas. Thanks for joining us, man. Sure, man. I'm glad to be here. So Andrew's a youth pastor at Dallas First Church, which is in Dallas. And he is doing a great job under Pastor... Tom um, Foster. Foster. Tom Tom Foster. Why don't you tell us, Andrew, a little bit about um, what you're excited doing down there and kind of what's going on at... um, at Vintage Youth, which is the name of his. Sure, absolutely. Of course, being uh, with a new year, you know, there's always a lot of excitement and things starting off. Um, with the new district, we've been a district about a year now. Uh, middle of last year, I was appointed as the hyphen director for the district. Last week, I was elected as the sectional youth director, as well as being full-time here at the church. So busy schedule. Um, but God's really been doing a lot of really awesome stuff here at the church, really a rededication to holiness, a rededication to discipleship, a drawing closer to him. We're getting ready this coming week to go into 40 days of prayer and fasting as a church. We did that last year and just the results were just absolutely amazing to see God moving and to see the people in the church so hungry for the things of God. We saw an increase in our attendance. We saw an increase in those who were involved in ministry. And so just awesome things are happening here. Of course, we're seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost. We're seeing just so many things that God is doing here. And so it's an exciting time to be here. Yeah, it's always exciting when things are happening. Not so much when nothing's happening, sure. but I'm glad something's yeah, happening. For sure. Um, now, before we get on into the topic, uh, guys, have, have you seen our Facebook page? It's going crazy. So yesterday, um, I th- I've talked to all you about this, but I posted a video um, of Morgan Freeman went to a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, by the way, Andrew, I don't know if I told you this or not, but did you know that's the church that Brother Mr. Daly I did. go to? I saw him in the video there. Yeah, I saw her too. Well, from like a side shot of her. Um, I didn't notice until somebody else pointed it out. But yeah, so they went to that church. And, um, it's part of a National Geographic documentary, I guess, series called, uh, I can't remember what it is now. It's like the, the story of God with Morgan Freeman. I think, and this is season two. I think I heard it's episode two that this particular clip aired on and he goes to it. It's a UPC church and specifically looking for information about speaking in tongues and how that how that looks in, in real people. And, and it was very, very, you, you got to see it. If you haven't seen it, go over to our Facebook page and, um, it's, it's a really, really great video. When I posted it, I knew it was going to be popular, but I had no idea how popular this was going to go. I started almost immediately within two hours. It had reached over, um, like 12,000 views, the video, it was just like my phone was nonstop. Um, I had my pay, uh, Facebook pages manager. It was just going crazy. And, and I set my phone down for a couple hours. I came back and I had like 40 notifications just from that. And so at this point right now, uh, about a day and a half later, our Facebook page went from 172 likes to right now, let me refresh it, to 1,009... Or one, oh, sorry, I just jumped up again. 1,113 likes on the Facebook page. Wow. wow. 
Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's insane. In like a day and a half. Wow, that's awesome. Um, And then also our... So 560,000 people have seen the post and 191,000 people have watched at least... 560,000? Yes, 560,000 people have seen the post. That is amazing. 191,000 have actually watched the video at least, uh, I think it's like three or five seconds that they use their measure on. So they didn't just scroll past it. Uh, Over 6.2 thousand shares. Like this is amazing. It's it's just crazy. I, I don't even know what to say. Well, it's kind of funny. Of going along with that, I didn't realize, but I should have thought about it. There's going to be, sorry, but you guys know I'm not the one to mince words. Idiots posting on the page. Some people just like wanting to argue and it's obvious. And so I delete their comments because this comment, this, it's not a page for arguing. Right. Some of them reposted their comments. So they got deleted again. Some of them messaged me. Um, I was called a racist. I was called a, a, um, that I was that we were backslidden and and perverting the truth and all that stuff. And it's just crazy. Like so, and so, and then there are so many comments. This made me mad. I, it finally, it, like little by little, I got more and more frustrated. People making comments. If you watch the video, you'll notice the church. At first glance, you would think that they don't hold the same standard most apostolic oneness Pentecostal UPC churches do on the outward. Well, if you would happen to stop and think for a second. Or maybe even find out, like do a little research as I did. I asked someone who actually goes there. My first instinct was per- confirmed. It was true. It's a church that had a lot of growth. And and so I, I would make comments like, you know, maybe if, or like, I would hate to go to a church where everybody looked like me. And it's true. Like, if everybody looks like they've been saved 10 years, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I, I remember hearing Brother brother Bernard told, would tell his congregation frequently, say, you know, I hope we always have people wearing makeup. Now, not the same people. Like, ah, just Pentecostals, I, not just Pentecostals, Christians in general, whatever their standard is, people that don't hold it, th- like the, it's so annoying how bad they judge them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do agree, of course, that we need to improve and we need to, to grow, but there is also space for Christian liberty in that as long as the uh, the Bible is not expressly for or against something, then I don't have a right to judge someone who is absolutely, absolutely. for or against it. Yeah. Well, we always should make provision for the Holy Ghost to make the difference, you know what I mean? And people start yes. judging and bec- they put themselves in the place of God and say, uh, and make the standards that they think they, they should follow. And so I think... Uh, they should leave it to the Holy Ghost to make those changes in people's lives. Yeah, definitely. I um, I just watched a video from Because of the Times, 1991. If you search it on, on YouTube, it'll pop right up. I'll make sure it's in the show notes. I'll also go and post it to Facebook. I really think every minister should see this. It is probably the greatest message on Christian grace. Um, as a matter of fact, that's pretty much the words Brother Bernard said when he heard about it. Um. Brother Jeff Arnold, I mean, you, you, I'm sure everybody knows his style, and he didn't disappoint in this message. Um, but he said, and I, I read a blog post. I'll actually link to the blog post. It's by a man named Phil Harrelson, and we're going to have him on the show, actually. I just talked to him this week, and so he's confirmed he's going to come on the show. He writes a great blog called The Barnabas Blog. We'll go and link to that. But in this um, blog post, he talked about him, his personal conversation with Brother Arnold about this message and how much Brother Arnold was crucified for it. The reports I've heard, of course, you know, 
1991, so things could have changed a little bit as far as the story, but I'm pretty sure they didn't, that he was disinvited from 13 district camp meetings because of this one message and banned from the, the district board called him and told him, you are not welcome in our district. Yeah. So it's a pretty big deal. Um, uh, Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's an incredible message and it's, it's really good because it combats that performance for God's favor mentality. And, and he talks of, and he says a couple things, really, there's not a lot that should be that controversial. He does say things like, um, why don't you trust the spirit to deal with people, you know? And, and so he's, and things like that. And, and he does say that, um, that I think we're right about makeup and some of these other things. And so things like that, I can see why some people would be upset, but it's kind of crazy to ban someone from preaching. Um, and man, the spirit of God was moving on me so much when I was watching that mess. I was just crying and crying. Um, it's so easy for us being a part of what most people would call a strict religion that we would become performance oriented. And, and it's so not, we've got to not be that way. And so many people are scared of grace in the Pentecost movement because it's been, per, it's been really distorted. Um, by the denominator world, they're not talking about grace. They're talking about stomping on God's God's cross and on his sacrifice. That's not what grace is at all. Grace set, grace isn't that you don't have to change or you can do whatever you want, but but it's that, he, and he talks about the grace, and it's, I don't want to ruin the message. You can go listen to it. Incredible message. What's the title of the message? The title is Refuge from Despair. It's by Jeff Arnold, Because the Times, 1991. Absolutely, absolutely just incredible message. And it's so important for us to know that we are not legalistic and make sure that we're not because some of us are. And which was demonstrated in this post is where I got off on this tangent. These people that are so legalistic and they, you know, well, what I found out also, not only have they had great revival, but they specifically have had over 50 of the refugee community come to their church. And specifically, the woman that Morgan Freeman talks with is one of those refugees. She came from Pakistan, and just the, the, the her her demeanor and everything is so godly. And then to to complain about that, it looks like she has some eye makeup on or something. But to complain about that, it just seems so Pharisaical, and it makes me angry. Most of the comments I deleted. One of them, I was mad, and so I because the guy was just like. Totally. It was beyond just even like one person was like, well, hopefully they're being taught into standards and this and that. But one way I was like, it's too bad. They're backslidden and, and it's gone away from the truth. So I commented, I was like, what a horrible comment, you know? And, and I kind of, he was saying this about the church. Things. Well, <laughs> yes. And that they've dropped all their standards and they're backslidden and stuff. Well, it's like, if you look around the videos in the background, there's plenty of people there yeah. that would conform to every standard you would imagine. But even it's, but beside the fact, like, who are you? You've never been there. It's like, I was angry. I finally, I think I, I it's righteous indignation. And he, it was like three minutes later, the post is gone. He deleted it. So, yeah. And I, I honestly, I really think that's what gives us such a bad rap sometimes is I because agree. yes, the Bible teaches things and, and now understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we should never judge, but the Bible does say, 
you know, whatever judgment you use, you're going to be judged in the same way. Now, that's not how people twist it to say, well, don't judge anybody. We understand that we have a, an obligation to judge in certain instances. But just to go off because someone doesn't quite measure up to the standard Stand, that you have yeah. set is, is so unchristlike. In fact, if you look at Jesus, how he was with the Pharisees who were the most conservative <laughs> religion of their day, he right. ripped them apart. And then to right. the woman who was caught in the act of adultery says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. But right. then all the Pharisees right. could right. do is condemn everybody. Right. So we got to be careful yeah. about our spirit. Is it, is it Phariseeism? Is it, a, if you feel like you are earning your salvation based on what you do, then, then it's Phariseeism yeah. and it's performance and you're, it's not grace. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you can go and live your life any way you want. Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Paul specifically, Paul specifically addresses. He said, you think you started in the spirit, but now you're going to continue in the flesh. And if you look in context, he's specifically saying, you recognize it that you didn't earn your salvation, that it was by the spirit, that God did it. But you think all of a sudden, now you're going to keep that salvation by keeping the law or in the flesh. And that's what we do so often. Not all of us, hopefully. I know not all of us. A lot of us, though, it's like we recognize we didn't earn our salvation, but then we think we keep it. I've even heard people say, well, you're saved you know, initially by grace, but you got to stay saved. You got to work at it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Every day I'm saved by grace and I will never be able to earn even the, the keeping of my salvation. Absolutely. But enough of that, uh, quote unquote side topic that just about became a main topic. You know, I, Tim, I think about my, uh, mother-in-law, she, uh, Janine's mom, she came out of the world <clears throat> and was, about as ungodly as they come, her and her dad, both of them. The one thing that she said when she was first came in church, she received the Holy Ghost. She said, first of all, she was not going to have some man telling her what to do. <clears throat> so she was still cutting her hair, excuse me, doing those things. But she had a hungry heart for a relationship with God. And in searching out the word, praying, God showed her those things. God opened her mind up to the understanding of why those things were important, why why the length of her hair really mattered, why holiness matters. God showed her those things. So, a lot of times we don't give the Spirit enough credit. We, we feel like unless we tell them, they're not going to know. Right. Yeah. And if we don't yeah. tell them, then all they're going to do is, is convert those who are already in the church and have those holiness standards are, are going to fall away from those standards. But the reality is if yeah. God shows it to you, then it's, it's there. That seed is there and that seed is planted and that seed is growing. Right. And it's going to bear fruit. But when I just try to, you know, lambast somebody and, and, and shove it down their throat, they're going to spit it out as soon as it, you know, as soon as they can. No, if you're doing it for somebody else, another human being, you know, because you're intimidated or you're afraid, if you do it for that person in time, because it is not in your heart, you'll go back to it. But if you do it because God showed you these things, then nobody can change your mind or, you know, convert you. And I think I can attest to that with my wife as well. She came out of the world when she was 19 years old uh and uh she she 
testifies that she, God, the Holy Ghost, showed her things, you know, and uh, slowly she stopped wearing pants. And one day she was uh, putting makeup on and she had finished one side of her face and she looked in the mirror and she thought to herself, man, this looks like a clown. You know, I look like a clown. And the, and the Holy Ghost began to talk to her and she began to weep and cry. She said that day she wiped that, the, the, the makeup off her face. From that day onward, she never ever put makeup on again. Yeah. And to this wow, day, wow. it doesn't matter what anybody else says because God showed her yeah. those things. She ain't going back. You know what I mean? She is not going to yeah, go back awesome. because it's her personal convictions, you know? Yeah. And she's not going to be like, well, it's foundation really yeah, makeup. Yeah, exactly. Well, how about yeah. this? Can I wear it? No, she's not. No. no, it's because God right. dealt with her and, and she's not playing games. And so often I think you're right because we teach it to people as a rule. Well, what are rules? Rules are like rule. Everybody treats rules as how, what can I get right. away with? That's what a rule is there <clears throat> for. Right. Give me a rule. And I'll see what, how can I live up to your, we do that with the law, lawyers do it, tax people do it, politicians do it. That's what we all do. We try to figure out how can I do what you said, but not do what you want. And so when we do that to people, we're really robbing them of the joy of holiness. And we, we, we convince them they're okay, but they've, they're still not holy. And you can tell the difference between people who, who are holy or not. They're, the, the Bible talks about the beauty of holiness. And it's really like a glow that there's people that aren't measured up to the standards because they're a new babe in Christ, but they have the glow. They have the beauty of holiness. And then there's other people who may look the part as far as, you know, the, you can't pick a standard they're missing, but man, they sure have a rotten attitude and, and they have no glow. They're just sour and they rip into everybody and they're just like a dried up prune, you know, that makes every, that puckers everybody up when they get around them. Yeah, I, I like what was mentioned, and because of the times in one of the forums, I think it was uh, was it Brother Mangan or uh, maybe maybe it was someone else, but he was saying something about you know we talk so much about jewelry and all of that on the outward appearance, but he said you know what I can tell you what there's jewelry and gold and silver hanging in the hearts of some of the people in the church you know, and they <laughs> and he's like you know it shows out in our attitude and and. Uh, Stinky attitude and, and our jealousy and hatred and gossip, and we 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 focus so much on the outward, and and there's nothing wrong with it, but at the same time we've got to look in our heart and our attitude to what we what we are doing, you know. Yeah, Jesus was very clear that if your inside is right, your outside yes. will get fixed. There is, and and people completely mis, misunderstand what God was saying when he told Samuel, I look on the inside, man looks on the outside. He wasn't saying, I don't look on the outside. He's saying, I look, I also look on the inside. You guys can't see that. And, and, and so he was also specifically, if you look at it, he wasn't judging them based on their outward acts of salvation or, or worship. He was saying based on their stature. So based on their human ability. So to use that that way is completely out of context. But, but, but it very clearly, Jesus over and over talked about things you got to do. If you re, I mean, you can't, you got to cut out 90% of the things Jesus said if you're going to say he didn't have a certain way he expected us to live. And his way is a lot harder to, to live up to than the rules that we make up because it deals with the heart. 
And it, man, it's, I, you read the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, this is what I tell people. I'm like, you want to start making up man-made rules. Come back to me after you've, you've checked off everything in the Sermon on the Mount. And then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, one, one mistake we make is we equate standards with holiness. And I, yeah. I think, you know, outward yeah. standards are, are important. I believe it. I teach it. In fact, in the youth group last summer, we took about three or four months and just taught on holiness. But you could ask any one of my kids yeah. in my youth group, what is holiness? And they would tell you, it comes back to two words. The first is separation, separation from the world. Yeah. And the second is dedication, dedication to God. So even if we have all the standards, yeah. if it's not to be separate from the world and dedicated to God, this is not true holiness. If it's just Amen. living up to a standard because the standard is there, then it's not holiness. It, it goes back to being a Pharisee. It all has to come from the heart of, I don't want to be like the world, live like the world, act like the world. I want to give everything I am to God. And God. that's where yeah. holiness really yeah. resides. Amen. I believe it. Yeah. And that's another thing that Jeff Arnold mentioned in that. By the way, guys, I think we're just going to make this our topic. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. And that's one of the things um, Jeff Arnold mentioned too. And so that's another thing he was talking about. Actually, I'm not sure if it was in that message or the message he preached the next year, which was the most important need for this day, and that is to be right with God. It was in one of those two messages. I think it was the 91 message that I already referenced. But he said, I don't just want to to, to live up to some rule that somebody set. He's like, I want to please God. I don't just want to miss hell. I want to make him smile. And it's like, how... How can we argue with that? And if we teach our people that, you know, I've always said, if we will teach our people the heart of holiness, if we'll teach our people to fall in love with Jesus and just say, you know what? And I actually heard Brother Bernard say this, and I love the way he says it. People would ask him, are you, you know, are you going to make me do this? Or I can't come to church because you're going to make me do this. And he said, listen, n- that's not important. You know, they'd ask about pants on women or, or make them say, look, that's not important. What's important is you take the next step. The next step is you repent and then you get baptized and God's going to feel the Holy Ghost. And listen, I will never make you do anything. I will never tell you to do anything. What I will do is completely leave you in the hands of God. And all I will ask is you do what the Lord tells you to do. And if you'll do that, I will never have a problem. It, I, how can we disagree with that? If God's not telling them, is it important anyways? Now that God sometimes uses us to tell them. So please don't misunderstand. We need to preach holiness. We should preach it strong. We don't need to back down. We don't need to water it down. The, the, the church needs to be separated. The, the world needs to see a distinction between the church and the world. I'm not for relevant church in case anybody hasn't listened to any of our epi- other episodes. Because I think I've mentioned that on just about all of them. But we also don't need to stand around and condemn people all the time. You know, Jesus came, he's in the restoration business, and uh, he wants to build everybody. The devil is the one that came to destroy, you know what I mean? And so we've got to analyze ourselves and, and ask ourselves, whose side are we on? Are we on the on the Lord's side where we are restoring and developing and, and building people, or are we on the devil's side destroying people? You know what I mean? <laughs> he wants to Absolutely. bring everyone down and, and say, Oh yeah, they they they're going to hell, you know what I mean? You 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 don't have the right to send them to hell. Let God make the decision, you know what I mean? <laughs> you you better get yourself right. <laughs> yeah, I work in construction as an electrician. And it took me four years. I'm just about done now. It took me four years to become trained, to become a licensed electrical installer, if you will, to build the electrical part of the building. 
it does not take you don't have to have any training to rip electrical out of a building anybody and you you don't get paid much either the demo crew that's what we call them they come in before us we go through and we mark what's safe to to take out and we mark what we want we just spray paint red paint on it take this out you know or we'll spray paint uh, we'll have a color code and this code this color means don't touch it leave it alone or this code color will mean this is dangerous it's still energized don't touch it but anybody any 16 year old kid that wants to make 10 bucks an hour can come rip it out you know, or, or a wall, anybody can knock it over, but it takes a lot of training to build a good brick wall or a block wall. Same thing. Anybody can tear people down and rip them up and, and lamp, you know, but to build people and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to edify the church and equip the church and build the church so they can do the ministry. We're not supposed to be tearing people yeah, down. And, and of course the Bible does say, you know, I believe in speaking the truth, but it must be done in love. If it's done for any motivation other than love, then you better check your motives. Right. If it's it's the devil that condemns. God convicts. If if you're teaching or preaching something in a condemning manner, see condemnation is saying you're so bad, you may as well just give up. Conviction is, hey, Here's an area you can work on, but look to Jesus. You can go higher. You can draw closer to him. And so we have to be careful that we're not condemning people because that removes hope. Now it's okay to, to allow the spirit to flow through you to convict, but never to condemn. Yeah, I've always said condemnation says you're so bad. Conviction says you can right. be better. Amen. And and that's really the the, the crux of the matter. You know, and um, another issue, I'm going to try to be careful because it deals with people that are not in the so distant past of of our church. Um, Let me just say this. I learned, God told me very clearly that it is never our job to punish people. In leadership, there are times where the question will come, do you sit someone down from ministry? I'm trying to be very careful because anybody who's from our church that listens to this will know exactly what I'm talking about if they're involved in ministry. Um, And so I I don't mean to condemn, but we, it is never our job to go hunt out sin, to be a detective. We don't need to go questioning people. We don't need to go check things out at their house. It's never our job to go do detective work to see if somebody sinned or is now no longer usable. Because of social media, you don't have to. Right. (laughs) That's true. But yeah, if they're dumb enough, I tell them, I'm like, look, if you posted it, you're telling me you have no interest in being used. You're not even trying to hide it. That's another issue. (laughs) Um, But if something comes to our attention, it needs to be dealt with. Right. If we find out someone's not living according to the platform standards, well, we got to hold it. Because if we're not going to have a standard, there's no need to have a standard. And really, I think this that's the key. You know, if you hold a high platform standard, the people in your church are going are gonna to live up close to that standard. But whatever standard you hold on your platform, people, be, but under, people that are not on platform are going to live just below that. So you can preach all you want, but if you let people on the platform who are not living according to your standards, your people in your church will not live by your standards. So you need to uphold your standards on the platform, but it is still never our job to punish people or put them on probation or put them on some sort of jail time where you sin. And so now your punishment is three months off the platform. That's completely and entirely ungodly. As a matter of fact, God asked me this. He said, who biblically has the authority to punish 
a child. In this case, it was youth involved. Well, of course, God and their parents. And that's it. That is the only people. Therefore, anyone else who punishes them is usurping authority from God and their parents. And God takes that very seriously. It is never our our job to punish people. Now, how do we balance that out? I don't want to punish them, but I need to, I believe in two things. One, we need to protect the sanctity of the platform, maintain our standard. Um, But our our chief goal here should be, and I, I think this is, if you approach it this way, your path will be fairly clear. How can I help them be restored? If they have gone out and done something against our platform standard, my, I'm not mad and angry at them. It's okay. Obviously, there's something inside going on. What happened and how can we get you back to really on track living for God? Because if they just conform to the standard and I let them back on the platform, but they got a stinking rotten attitude, I haven't won anything. I think that's... Rant uh, over. <laughs> I, I have to have one every episode. I think that's key, though, is uh, having something set up to get them restored Um, because it is a fine line. You can't let someone who is deliberately going against what you set up as uh, standards for your platform and expect that to not, there's a reason why we have those. So what do you mean by uh, as far as not condemn, not because you can't let it go unnoticed. Uh, what I mean is, it, it really, it comes down, same thing with the holiness on the side of, on their side, it comes down to my heart. What's my goal? If my goal is to help them, and spiritually, you know, okay, so you went out and did this, was it a weak moment, or are you being rebellious? Once somebody's repented, has God forgiven them? Now, it also depends on what they did. If it's something that's visible, and me putting them on the platform is going to undermine the standard, well, that's an issue, but I still, I'm not punishing them. You, you understand? Like, I think it's the motivation uh, of, of why I'm doing it and the attitude it comes across in. Um, if, they, if it was a private thing and they, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to start giving examples, but they did something in their home. Nobody would know about and, and they feel bad. They came confessed and said, pastor, I'm so sorry I did this. You know, I, if you want to sit me down, that's fine. I, I just, I feel terrible. Okay, let's talk. Let, you know, hold on. Let's pray about this. You know, you're repentant. You know, why do we need to pull you down now? If you have a good heart, that's the heart I want to promote. That's what I want people to do. I don't want them to hide sin because they think I might find out and sit them down. You know, Brother Arnold said this in his message too. He said, I think it's a travesty. The girls in our church, when they get pregnant, the first place they run is the world and their worldly right. friends. Yeah, I've heard that. He said, and the reason they do that is because in their heart, they expect to be judged. Right. Yeah, where's the safe place for them to run? We sh- yes. We should, they should know that. Now, there's the flip side. I understand there are churches among us where a girl will get pregnant and have no remorse and keep coming to church and never feel condemnation. And I've always said our churches should never be a place that sinners feel comfortable they should always feel welcome, but they should feel very, very uncomfortable. Especially Christians who are sinning should feel very, very uncomfortable every time they come to church. And, and, but they should feel loved. And, and, they're, and so 
Jesus is the perfect example of that. When we see people who are quote unquote out and out sinners, Jesus is very loving and forgiving towards them. Well, that's not talking about ministry. I understand that. And of course, you know, we're, when we're talking about a minister who falls into sin, there, there's another level there. And that's not what I'm talking yeah, let's about. See, that's what um, I was like, I'm not talking about people, uh, you know, if, if, if there is a platform standards, if the, if they standards that are set and if you're involved in ministry, I think, I think it's rightful for the leadership to, to sit you down and because you've set a standard. But I think if it's a saint that you're trying to work with, I feel like that that should be different. You know what I mean? But if you set a standard for your church and the platform, I personally think that you should hold it because you should hold that person responsible for their actions because they chose to do certain things. I agree that we, if our standard should be there and that there should be, you know, that we need to hold our standard. However, I am very glad that God doesn't always give me what right, I deserve right, for every true. sin I commit. Again, if someone is is having an affair, uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, people are going to know it. That's a big deal. There's heart issues involved that you can't just fix overnight. There's got to be some time. You got to build trust back. You've got to build uh, with the church. You've got to, and I don't want to put you in a place where you can hurt people. Cause so the first priority or well, the kind of parallel priorities. So one, a one B one, a is how can I help you get right. restored? B, how can I protect my flock? Yeah. Cause I, it's not just, you're not the only sheep I'm concerned with. It's you and everybody else. Now I personally, now this may be wrong, but I personally will always prefer flock the younger flock. sheep. Okay. So if there, yeah. if there's a new Christian and a established saint, or maybe a minister, right? And which one am I going to be more concerned with offending? Oh, you better believe I'm going to protect that new, yeah. new Christian. And I will, I will offend the minister all day long. And if you've been in ministry 10 years and you can get offended that easy, <laughs> well, you need to work that out with Jesus because I'm over here working with his new... And we see that in, in a flock. You know, what? Do, do I have time to go coddle a, an adult sheep that should be able to kind of, to some extent, eat food? On its own, and while I, but you got to take care of that baby, or a sick. There's a sick sheep. You got to feed that special food, and you got to give it extra care. And, and I'm sorry if you're if you're you know, you've been in church 20 years. You're gonna get. I, I, I love you, and I'm gonna do my best. But there comes a time where you, I, I got to make a choice. If I have to make a choice, and, and I, I don't right. know. That's just maybe I'm wrong it's on that, that. Simple, really. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> not gonna, yeah, I, I, not gonna choose you. With, uh, uh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> see you later. I gotta, I gotta stick with this one. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe, maybe well, I'm wrong, but the, I, I've done that before, where I've spoken to a person who should. I mean, it's like they're they're claiming offense against a new, well, uh, a a kind of on the edger who's still developing. And the person's been showing sincere growth, and that person, you know, you talk about in relation to them being involved in the in service? ministries, ministries, in ministries. Um, I'm kind of off track now. I'm just talking about when I'm dealing with people, and I have to, if I'm being more careful about offending a new convert or an established person. In I the know, church. I know for a fact that uh, I remember this very distinctly. 
the missionary, you know, we, we were reaching young people in Fiji, you know, left, right, and center. And there were so, so there were a lot of new converts that were coming into church and uh, and they still had makeup on and and earrings on and and you know we were working with them they just they, brand new babies you know what i mean and this guy comes from uh, from a different uh field of labor you know neighboring uh, work uh not the same country they i guess he came from australia so anyway, he came and visited our church for the, you know, just visiting our, our local church. And then he saw this young lady and uh, she was just weeping and crying before the presence of God. And just, you know, she just received the Holy Ghost, just newborn. And he walks up to her and tells her, well, in our churches, we don't wear earrings and we don't wear makeup, you know. And when the missionary heard this, he called that guy to his office and he said, you leave this place right now and you never come back to this church <laughs> ever again because you wow. so that, that's a good you example. are a baby killer you know that's what Herod yeah. did that's what that's wow. what people do when because they are baby killers that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about yeah if you have an established saint that's a great example of one of the situations that would apply you have someone who's been in the church 20 years and you have someone who gets saved and the next service they're there this person's there to to tell them that they're lost and going to hell because they're you know, showed up not dressed according to our standards. I will come and rebuke you to your face in front of everybody, and I will not no. apologize for it. <laughs> now, if 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 that new convert says something rude to an established saint, and the established saint comes complaining, I'm going to tell the established saint, "Give him grace." I'm going to go talk to the new convert, and that's we're going to have a right, personal yeah. conversation. It's going to be a lot gentler, yeah. though, than I would approach that. So that's what I'm trying to say. And I think the key goes goes back to the heart, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how do they respond? You know, because there's situations where you know someone does something wrong, they, and whether it's you know, and it's kind of been two different things. Whether it's standards with somebody or someone in ministry failing or, or doing something that they yeah, shouldn't. Yeah. What What is their response? So I have two examples that happen here. Um, one, we were he had involved somebody in ministry. And some pictures showed up on social media where they were not dressed appropriately. Pictures on social media, man. It's always, it, it always. Is. And so, so me and my wife went to this individual and said, Hey, we, you know, Hey, we'd like to talk to you. And in a private setting said, Hey, we saw these, um, you know, you're involved in this ministry. You know what we teach and what we believe. And it actually opened up a, a really good conversation because she was able to, Express that she has never really understood why we teach certain things. And so we had a conversation. We explained to her, talked to her, taught her. And she had a very repentant attitude, said, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry, apologized, took the, the pictures down, made a commitment to not do that. And, and so, you know, because of her heart extended grace and said, okay, and allowed her to continue on. It was in such a way that it would not cause anybody to doubt. Um, it was, you know, it was not made exception for. She repented and we moved on. There was another situation, somebody involved in ministry, um, and I, with my leadership team, set forth certain standards and said, we, you know, this is what we teach it. We ask that you abide by it. Um, and this guy, and I love him, um, and actually with a really good, and I appreciate it because he was up front. He came to me and said, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. 
uh, me and my family are not going to abide by that. And I, and so basically he was, you know, do you want us to continue on in ministry? And I said, you know, well, it's up to you. These are the standards. And he said, well, I'm not going to live that. And so he took himself out of ministry. Um, now I still have a very good relationship with the guy. We, you know, talk, hug each other. Um, he's involved in other areas of ministry. Um, but you know, there was the, the difference in the direction that was chosen, I think also helps to guide what the proper response is in the heart mm-hmm. of the person who yeah. is right. involved in it. Yeah. And it, and it goes back to, I told one person recently, I said, look, cause they're, they were talking about how they're always afraid that, you know, God's going to come back right after they've sinned. And, and all, and I understand that I, you know, as a teenager, I think every teenager that, uh, is in church is afraid of that, you know, or it probably has called different church people when their parents don't show, maybe not now kids nowadays, man, they don't have to go through that fear because they have cell phones. But I remember getting home from school and you expected your parents to be there and they weren't there and you start calling, you know, in my case, sister Foksinski was like the first one, man, because I knew if she was still there and then she didn't answer, you're like, oh man. So you call somebody else and then somebody answers and then you don't want to admit why you're calling. So you either hang up or you're like, hey, just wondering if you've heard from my parents, you know, um, but you're scared to death and you're like in between calls, you're like, oh God, you know, have mercy on me and all that. There was a lot of rapture preaching oh. back in the day. That's why was- <laughs> that, that is true too. Um, but but I told him, I was like, look, you're not ever going to go to hell because of one of your sins. Now, I know that's almost heresy because I'm using, in, in, I chose words that probably don't. Are you trying exactly. to be controversial? I think your, your whole goal for this, this episode is just to be as controversial as possible. No, I chose words. I chose words to produce a reaction in that person because when you say something they don't expect, they pay attention, not just that person in, in general. What I mean, and I told him this, I was like, look, you need to understand that there's two completely different scenarios when you sin. One is you are in the grand scheme of things, immature, you made a mistake, you slipped up, you, you didn't plan it out. You know, you said a bad word or in this case, it's a young person. So you said a bad word, it slipped out or, you know, or maybe, maybe you, you, you cheated on a test and afterwards you're like, Oh my word, why did that guy? I'm so sorry. You know, whatever you're immature in your faith and you're growing and you're sorry and you repent. You're like, God, I still want to live for you. That's completely different from rebellion. And so often I think we think that immaturity and we don't notice the difference between rebellion and God. I mean, think about how foolish it sounds. God's a good God. Right. Right. But my son makes one mistake and I'm like, Oh buddy, you can go find a foster home. You know, he, and you think God's a good father and that he said, he, you're not my, you're not my kid anymore. Now, I believe in, in, in living a clean life and, and a pure life, but it's so much more about the direction you're going and where your heart is. And if we understand grace, I believe that, that God's grace extends to the sin I haven't committed yet. The sin that I'm going to commit tomorrow. This grace already today extends to that because of my heart and because I love him and I want to serve him. You know, when Judah does the worst 
thing when he absolutely just he knows better and he does something wrong and, and I, I'm like Judah why did you do that and sometimes it's pretty rare he does this but he, he's starting to learn he'll just put his hands up in the air and say you know daddy hold me or I love you everything stops now he'll still get his punishment because I'm trying to teach him but sometimes he doesn't actually he gets love Right, because that's the primary emotion. And I think too many of us think that God's primary emotion with us is anger. And he's always angry. And if he's not angry, then he's disappointed. And he's like, well, I'm not angry at you, but man, I'm just disappointed. And that's not true. God's primary, I believe. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not. But God's primary emotion with us is, is happiness and love and joy. And I wish we could get, a whole, like, get the picture of that. You know, I was telling one person about how, you know, God, when they wake up, how it's, it's, this is how I imagine it, that God's sitting there and, and he's like, I'll pick, um, I'll pick a random name, Steve. He's like, oh, Steve's up. Oh, angels, you see Steve's up, Steve's up. And he said my name. He called, he prayed. Oh, I've been waiting for this, Steve. I missed you. It's like, but God, I just talked to you last night. God, yeah, but I don't sleep and you were asleep for eight hours. but waiting for you to talk to me. Oh, Steve, I'm so happy you're awake. Steve, Steve, Steve. I love that name. Oh, Steve. That's like how God is for us. And I think like because it, somehow we've got to get rid of this like big ogre in the sky mentality of God just waiting for us to mess up. Yeah. I, and I've been recently, I've just been so amazed by, by the grace of God and the mercy and the love of God. I've been reading in Isaiah and as you're reading in, in Isaiah and the other uh, uh, books of the, of the prophets and they're, they're, prophesying judgment on Israel and on Judah. And yet in the middle of that, God keeps coming back to you. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge you so that one day, so that you'll turn back to me so that I will show my love to you again. I will. And it's like, even in the middle of his judgment and he's so angry because they have turned their back and served other gods and child sacrifice and everything. And yet in the midst of that, he says, yes, I'm going to judge you, but there's still hope. I love you. I'm going to bring you back. You look at, at, Noah and God's mercy. I, I teach in a nursing home every Tuesday and at the nursing home, I, I talked about Noah and that even in the midst of judgment where God was to the point where he wanted to wipe out all of all humanity because of their sin. And yet in the midst of that, he waited 120 years. Most Bible scholars believe for Noah to build the ark. God could have built it right away, but 120 years of preaching. The one thing we have to, we can't take for granted about grace though is what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. I heard the pages turning. I knew our Mr. Research Expert himself was finding something. <laughs> Actually, the pages was Nigel. I have a I'm sorry. Yeah, I was looking for that scripture. Because yeah. <laughs> know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or... But the, the other thing is, is that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound, right? I mean, uh, I think there's a difference between accidentally slipping up and intentionally sinning, rightfully knowing so. In that, in that after that sin is committed, if you are not brought to a place of repentance, if you don't go back to the altar in that span of time, then only God knows. Yeah, and see, and the thing is, as we talk about this, you know, 
sin you you know better to do versus an accidental slip. People are already, it just is, is Pentecostal, this is what we want to do. We want to quantify it. Okay, well then, you know, how much time premeditated quantify, you know, means premeditated versus, you know, and that's not what it's about. We need to get away from this, like defining what sin is in such a rigid term. Because there's things that for some people are not sin and for others they are. The Bible is very clear that there were things Paul could do that others could not do. That if others did it was sin, if Paul did it, it was not. That's a clear interpretation. He's saying if, if, a, if a weak brother sees me do something that is against their conscience, that I have Christian liberty to do, it's a sin for them because they win against their conscience. And so again, that's, that's where it goes. What is your conscience saying? And are you acting in accordance with that or against it? Because your conscience, actually the word con is with and science is no. And if you look at it, uh, a lot of scholars think it's, it's the concept of to know with God, that it's God speaking to you in your heart, telling you that's wrong. And it's because we mess our conscience up that sometimes it's out of whack. But that when your conscience is speaking to you, that that's you and God together knowing what's wrong. And so... When you're acting against your conscience, whether your conscience is right or wrong, when you're acting against your conscience, that's a sin. It's one part of sin. It's not all of sin because there's absolutes. It's not whatever you think is true. There's absolutes in the Bible that are clear. But well, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. Well, obviously, we could keep on talking and maybe even bordering on arguing on some of these topics because I'm not sure that we're 100% in agreement on the exact application of these, but I do think we probably agree a lot more than it sounded like in parts of this episode. If you haven't already, go ahead and click on the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content, and we would absolutely love if you would just go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. Thanks again for listening, and until next episode, remember, you matter to the kingdom of God. Behind the Pulpit Podcast.